And now, stay tuned for another episode of the Big Gear Podcast. It was such a good January with all the rarities in Ontario. From the start of the year, I wasn't really planning on doing a big year, per se. I thought beating Kaya was going to be tough. There was a trip that I did with Ezra and Kaya. We went to see a spotted towy in Terrace Bay. Probably the craziest driving I've ever experienced. Just the north shore of Lake Superior in a whiteout during the middle of the night. Good birding, big year birders! I'm Robert Bomander, and we're birding from the north to the south, from the east to the west. And we're talking to the big year birders of the big years. Is that the way I wanted it to come out? I'm not sure. Anyway, welcome to part three of the Ontario big year birders from the 2022 calendar year. Today, we are talking to a young man named William Conzi, who, amongst all the big year birders that I met last year, was one that I didn't really get to know too well until, well, we actually started speaking. And now we know each other just a little bit more, and you'll get to know William as well, a birder that accidentally started a big year and followed through right to the very end and along with a couple of others, broke the all-time Ontario big year record. Not just broke it, but kind of smashed right through it. It was an incredible year in Ontario for birding in 2022. And since I'm not out on the trails as much this year, I'm not sure how it's going in 2023, but we have had a few good rare birds in Ontario this year as well, including a white wagtail which, oh my, I wish had shown up last year, but we can't do anything about that. We can't change the past unless we invent time travel, which I'm guessing is not going to happen. I'm blathering on, aren't I? Well, anyway, thank you for joining me, and let us continue on with episode nine of the Big Year Podcast, and let's all welcome a big round of applause, William Conzi! One of the big five Ontario birders, William Conzi, who finished in second place, I believe. Yeah, I tied, tied for second place, yeah. And how did that feel? Were you going all out to win it, or were you just having a good time birding Ontario and just trying to see as many birds as you can? Yeah, from the start of the year, I wasn't really planning on doing a big year, per se. My goal was to get 300 species for the year, because I'd never done that in Ontario before. And it was such a good January, with all the rarities in Ontario lingering from the fall, mm-hmm. that I decided I was going to try to go all out. And yeah, I guess around May or so, I realized, hmm, I can probably beat the record. And I was not thinking that I would be that close to Kaya and Ezra at the end of it. But uh. Well, you uh, actually seemed to come out of nowhere at one point because, you know, the others were way up there. And then, you know, I thought you were kind of following them, but more in uh, like Andy and Susan were doing. And then suddenly you're up there at the top of the list and I'm thinking, oh, you have a chance to win it. Did you feel at some point that you were getting close enough to do so? Yeah, I thought beating Kaya was going to be tough. I guess in like the latter half of the fall, I got a few birds that they already had from earlier in the year. And I thought, hmm, it's going to be pretty tight. So yeah, I I never really thought that I had a chance at winning it because Kaya was pretty far ahead. But 
I did not expect that I would tie Ezra at all. Well, that's yeah. a, that's quite an accomplishment too, considering that it was kind of an accidental big year on your part. Yeah, yeah. So because I saw you sort of around during uh, the year and never really met you, tell me a little bit about yourself and tell my audience a little bit about who you are and how you got into birding and also became a pretty good expert at a young age. And I discovered there are a lot of young birders who know a heck of a lot. So I'm 21 years old. I am living in Guelph, Ontario. I'm actually born and raised in Guelph, but I'm attending the university here. Um, I'm in my fourth year of, I'm actually taking a semester off, but I'm technically in my fourth year of wildlife biology and conservation. And uh, my dad is also a bird watcher, Carl. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a bird watcher and biologist. Um, he works in like, ecological consulting field so he he got me into it at a pretty young age and i've been birding for god like more than 10 10 years now pretty seriously so i've been birding about the same time but i didn't start till i was 51 so <laughs> uh my experience came late in life but I'm very happy to see so many young birders get into it because I feel like I wasted 40 years of my life not birding. And right. it really changes the way you look at everything, the world, nature, just a walk. Oh, yeah. It just changes your entire outlook on life. At what point did you find that you wanted a career in bird again, conservation and things like that? From a pretty young age, I guess. I was really into uh, like dragonflies and damselflies for a while when I was when I was young. That was that kind of came before birds, and I didn't like perps and snakes and turtles and stuff like that. So, yeah, since I was pretty pretty young, maybe like eight or nine or so, yeah helped me a lot because anytime I ran into you guys, you guys were the experts and really fantastic at spotting birds, uh, especially when it came to things like cave swallows in the fall. Yep. was something I didn't have experience with under those circumstances. My experience with cave swallows was basically you go to Texas, you go to a bridge, and there are cave swallows. But uh, certainly having the expertise to see flyovers and know what you're looking at, did that help mm -hmm. with lake watching especially yeah yeah and just just for the cave swallows i gotta give a lot of the credit for that to brandon holden because i know brandon holden was messaging kaya back and forth and he was following this weather system up from texas and he was like go to this go to 50 point on this day and you will see cave swallows and we did and that's what happened so yeah, that, was pretty, pretty, that was pretty pretty remarkable i i thought yeah. i got there too late but then Eventually, we saw some. Then I went the next morning and saw even more. So it was it was pretty good. To, that was those were my first Ontario cave swallows. So uh, I, yeah, that was my one and only tick for cave swallows in the year, and probably for most yeah. people it was too. One of the things I struggle with when it comes to birds in flight and at distance is lake watching. Is that a skill you honed over a few years? Because when you go to uh, the Lakeland Center in the fall looking for distant seabirds, so there's a lot of experts there, and I mm -hmm. tend to depend on their lake-watching skills. How did you develop that? Yeah, yeah, I was... I was fairly inexperienced with lake watching before the year had started. I'd always gone to Van Wagner's Beach in the fall and, and looked for Jaegers and things like that, but uh, yeah, I honed a lot of my skills, like my duck, my duck ID, especially, and like gull ID in flight is a lot better now, and Spending a week up in up in James Bay, just basically watching the coast the whole time, 
I got a lot of experience. That definitely helps, especially during a big year, to know your birds in flight and your distant birds. And over the course of the year, obviously, you said you learned a lot more than you might have known at the start. What were some of the things that doing the big year taught you? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I think just because I was out birding the whole year, I became a lot more familiar with um, migration and migration patterns and when when to expect certain species to arrive and just I guess I guess I learned a lot about the diversity of Ontario's bird species and their populations both traveling everywhere and I guess just general little fine ID points I guess I find that uh, doing big year can have lots of ups and downs I've done it a few times myself and there are some high points, there's some low points. It sometimes isn't as much fun as you thought it would be when you first started. Did you find that yourself? Yeah, yeah. One of the big things that I didn't like was driving six, seven hours to see a species that I'd already seen in the province before. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Lifer, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, driving up past Sudbury to see a buried thrush, which I'd seen, like, writing Guelph before, mm-hmm. and I lots of times I've wet. One. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a, a pain. You're always thinking, God, how much gas am I wasting? And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a big one. And there obviously were some birds that were, were lifers and were big birds for the year that you did have to do drive for. What was probably the longest drive you had to do in terms of a lifer and a bird that you would have probably chased anyway. So I actually got, I only got one lifer this year. I got the marsh sandpiper was the only new one for my life list. I got about 10, I guess nine or 10 new Ontario birds. So I'm thinking maybe the, maybe the pink footed goose, like almost in Quebec, that was pretty far. It was like five and a half hours. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I noticed uh, was that you guys did a lot of really far northern trips, and I, I guess you, some of you shared driving uh, on a couple of them. Yeah. Where were some of the highlights of some of those furthest north trips that you did? And where was the, the most out of the way, I can't believe we even did this drive, especially if it had to do it in the winter? Yeah, yeah. I know there was a trip that I did with Ezra and Kaya, like the... I guess towards the end of January, um, we went to see a spotted towhee in Terrace Bay. And that was probably the craziest driving I've ever experienced. Just the north shore of Lake Superior in a whiteout during the middle of the night is pretty, pretty crazy. And I wasn't even driving. So and you're still uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really freaked me out. And, Sometimes uh, it's scarier to be a passenger during those drives, I found. Yes. But I was in Quebec for a bird that one of my misses during the course of the year, and I heard about the stellar sea eagle showed up in New Brunswick, and the drive from Quebec to New Brunswick on not even paved roads, just back dirt roads that have no lights and giant trucks racing by you, uh, not even slowing down. That was probably the scariest drive I had all year. That was just beyond belief. What was the most exciting bird you did see? I know everybody does say the marsh sandpiper, but uh, mm-hmm. that was obviously for all of us. How? What was your story of getting the marsh sandpiper? Yeah, so I was one of the lucky ones who found out about it, I guess, the evening. I guess during the daylight hours of the evening that it was found, 
um, I was, yeah, I was at Keeley with my dad just walking around and I got a call from Ezra saying, are you alone? And there's this, there's this really good bird. I can't tell you what it is uh, in in Thetford. And I basically just drop everything and go. And uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I end up tailgating Tim Arthur and his car. And he's like, mm, why, I wonder why William's tailgating me afterwards. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I know I broke a lot of, I was probably going quite a bit over the speed limit for the whole drive. But yeah, I got there and saw it and I got really good views the evening of, and it sounds like the views people got in the successive days afterwards weren't as good. Yes. So I, I can attest to that. Uh, I was actually in Vancouver at the time and my, I, I forget what day of the week it was, but my flight wasn't scheduled for two more days. And I had to pay a bit of a fee to change my flight. Right. Landed in Brant or in Toronto, drove straight there, but couldn't not stop. Luckily, Brantford was on the way, so I, because my wife would have killed me if I didn't stop and pick her up on the way. Uh, but I, mm -hmm. I took that little detour, and we saw it in just horrendous pouring rain conditions. And right. uh, I saw some of the pictures some of the people got on a nice uh, clear afternoon when it was first seen. I have a video that looks more like an ultrasound than, yeah. <laughs> than anything else, but I saw it. So that was fantastic. Were there any other highlight birds of the year, even though, you know, they obviously weren't uh, necessarily lifers. What were some of the other highlights, especially the ones that you really had to work for? Yeah, I guess one of the most more exciting chases we did was for uh, black-headed gull on the Niagara River and that was I think that was the only I think there was just one sighting of that the whole year in Ontario um, so yeah we were we were at Peely birding and then we hear Ryan Griffiths has found a black-headed gull on the Niagara River somewhere and uh, so we decide hmm I think we can get to we can get to the mouth of the Niagara River and Niagara on the lake for dusk, and we'll have probably about a 50-50 chance that it'll actually go that way down the river to roost at night on the lake mm -hmm. versus, I guess it could have gone towards Lake Erie as well. So we just said, heck, heck, why not? And we drive it's probably four hours, four and a half hours probably to Niagara on the lake from Peely. And, uh, yeah, we got lucky, and we have it flying right by with the Bonaparte skulls in the evening. So that was that was pretty exciting to get, and no one else saw it afterwards. How many of you got to see it? Uh, there were, it was Kaya, Ezra, uh, Andy, and then I brought along Luke, Luke Rasso as well. He saw it. That's where Susan Nagy bossed out <laughs> a big bird for her. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of talking to the other four so far. It's fun to kind of see your adventures, how you did them together and how you did them on your own. Did you do any trips completely on your own that were of note? Yeah, I did a few. Um, one that one that stands out for me was um, Arctic Turn, and I guess it was late, late May. Um, it was somewhere, I can't remember the county, but it was along the, the St. Lawrence River, like along the Thousand Islands Parkway or something. Um, someone had seen, I think maybe three or four earlier in the day, so I decided to drive out there myself, and uh, that was a kind of a nemesis bird for me in Ontario. I'd never seen that before, 
so yeah, that felt pretty good. After about half an hour, I finally had one fly by for sure that I could tell was an Arctic. And uh, the nemesis birds are the ones that sometimes haunt you during the course of the year. Did you have a couple of or one nemesis that you didn't get that you felt like I should have had that bird or that you just wish you could have got? Yeah, there were yeah there were a couple. I think white white winged dove stands out as the biggest miss for me. Um, I was I was actually I, had, I got COVID at Peely, so I had to leave um, and go back home for a while. And as I was getting better, this white winged dove was around. And like, hmm, I think I should should I go to see this white winged dove? And I decided I don't really want to be standing around with a whole bunch of people still with COVID. So I decided, hmm, I think it'll be around in a week or so. And then, yeah, I went back to work at Peely, and uh, it was never... I think it was about around for about a week, and then it just disappears. Is that the one that was in the homeowner's backyard, or is that a different one? Yeah, that was like Durham, Durham County yeah. somewhere. When I got there, and it, it, it was pouring rain, and it was sitting on the fence, and then another two birders came in, and just as they came in the backyard... It, flew in front of us over the fence and for the next hour and a half it didn't show up and I, I gave up and I'm not even sure if it was seen after that. That, that was, uh, I guess, for a lot of us who did get it, lucky because we just assumed there was going to be one in Rondeau. Exactly. And I don't know how many years in a row it's been there and this was the year that it decided not to come. Yeah, yeah. There are so. a couple of Ontario birds, I can't even think of them specifically, that just didn't show up this year oh like the swallowtail kite we, right actually, yeah i think we've had one at least three of four years if not three years in a row yeah and you know i kept checking the elmer uh bird alert thinking it's going to show up at some point but that was a uh, frustrating one because it wasn't like i was going to see them somewhere else in canada any yeah. more likely one of those is uh chuck will's widow was another one that's that was yeah. yeah uh i don't know how many years in a row it was there i think 2014 I've been there twice for it, and that was a trip I was looking forward to because we have, we there's a really neat restaurant up on a lake on a mountain, which is kind of a weird spot, but it's a really cool place to go. Yeah, that was disappointing, too. That's two birds that were certainly, I guess, expected, but disappointing not to uh, have found. And as the year went on, did you feel like you were getting more into it? Because most of us, especially the Ontario birders, were into it from the very start, and you were sort of built up in May. Were you even more into it than them as the year progressed and felt like, I don't even want it to end now because I'm doing so well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went kind of all out for the month of December. I, I tried to get out almost every day. I was just looking along the lakes for Lake Ontario, hoping for something rare, like a common eider. And then I was checking sewage lagoons and um, like fields for gulls, hoping for rare western gulls. And yeah, I really I caught up a bunch on Ezra and Ty in November and December. And uh, yeah, I was really excited to to go all out in December. Yeah. Were you uh, in school or working during the year? Yeah, I was. Oh, I, I was in working at Peely, obviously, but I mean, aside from that. Yeah, I was. I was in school for the for the winter semester, mm -hmm. and then I decided, actually, about in about September, once I started my courses, I think I decided that I was going to just drop out and then postpone my university for about a year mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to go all out in the fall. So yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I did that. But uh, that means my my degree, I'll have to complete it later, but um, that's okay. Yeah, there are some things that you do in your youth that are 
sometimes more important than the piece of paper education and the school learning. Definitely, I think there's very few people who regret taking a year off rather than not to do something like a big year. How was it for you financially? I know some of the ones I've talked to are working really hard to pay off some credit card bills. I know gas prices from spring through fall really went crazy. So <laughs> that must have been a difficulty for you as well. But was it something that you, you had budgeted for or is it something that you're going to have to sort of make up over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was working a lot of the summer. So I had I had some funds helping me get through the the end of the year but yeah at about in about november december i was starting to get low on funds and i had to dip into some savings a few times so yeah it was unexpected but uh yeah but no regrets over the the spending of money or the somewhat depleting of the savings no yeah no regrets at all yeah That is fantastic. Do you think that it will have an effect on once you do get out into the workforce in environmental area that you're looking at? Do you think that having done this will be a benefit to you or have an impact on how you see the rest of your life? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know I think I've just made I think the big the big thing that the big year gave me was all these connections that I made with people. Like I met so many people. Um, I got to know a lot of the young birders better. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the connections kind of was a big one for me. But yeah, I guess knowledge knowledge of Ontario's natural history and biodiversity helps as well. What do you think you learned about yourself that you didn't know? Yeah, I guess I learned um, how, how competitive I was. Maybe I never thought that I was that competitive before yeah i guess i learned just some kind of to to stick with it and keep persevering some people don't realize how competitive they are until something like chasing a list and a number uh becomes i mine is less my reasons are more obsessive than competitive but i at towards december when uh Bruce was getting close to me, I became a little more competitive and a little more, I think I saw more birds than I would have seen had I not had someone coming up behind me. And I wonder if I saw more birds than you would have seen if you weren't in a little bit of competition with Ezra and Kaya. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Like I was just happy to break break the old record. Um, And I guess I surpassed it, ended up surpassing it by 11 or so. And yeah, if it weren't for Kaya and Ezra, I'd I would have been, yeah, my list would have been much less for sure. Would you attribute uh, three people breaking the all-time Ontario record to this year? Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of things. I think definitely it was a a good, or the fall of 2021 was very good, was warm, and there were lots of lingering rarities. And I think that was partially why we had such a good January. Um, I also think it's because of just there being more birders around and things like Discord, for sure. Um, word gets out like so fast now, so it's a lot easier. Things are a lot more accessible now, mm-hmm. chasing. So, yeah. When you look back on Josh Vandermillen and Andrew Keveny when they did their big years in 2012, it was a very different birding climate. Yep. There was the OFO and there, you know, eBirds, rare bird alert, but a fraction of the birders 
that there are now. I think that it, since 2012, two things really spurred the uptick in murders. One was the movie The Big Year, and the other, I think, more so was COVID. Yeah, I agree. Certainly, the more murders there are, the more people that are interested in conservation there are, and that's probably the reason that should be upmost in our minds when we go birding. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And what would you say to someone who, especially as young as you, under 25, who thinks that, hey, I'd like to do a, an Ontario big year, what would you, what advice would you give them that you know now that you didn't know last January? I, I, would, I would be encouraging, but I would tell them it's, it's a lot, a lot of work. It's a lot of driving and gas, and it's going to be probably more expensive than you would anticipate. And I would highly recommend people do it in a, in a, like a group of a small group um, because driving, twitching things eight, 10 hours away by yourself is, is just really lonely. And I, I can attest to that. I drove across Canada by myself. So yes, it is. Sometimes it's most fun you'll ever have, but other times it's just endless nights of boredom. Was there one bird that you saw that was, and you might have mentioned this already, that you're just, you're by yourself and you had absolutely, because you obviously group birded in lots of groups this year. Was there one bird where you saw it and you're like, wow, there's do I high five. There's no one <laughs> to have, to enjoy this with. Yeah. Yeah. My, my best find of the year was, I guess in early June, I was working up um, north of Perry Sound, doing some bird surveys on a, on a, on a reserve. Um, so I was living in, in Brit, Ontario, for about a week. And after, after my field surveys, one day I just decided to drive around. There was a, a sewage lagoon I was going to check out. And yeah, I, I'm driving by and I see this bird perched on this, I think like a lawn chair or something. And I'm like, hmm, that looks weird. I turn around and it's a it's a Sadie's Phoebe, which is which is pretty a pretty good bird for this far east. It is, yes. Yeah, and it was it was evening. It was about five thirty or six at night, and I posted it right away, but no one could really get there in time to see it before dark. And uh, yeah, I was I ended up being the only one to see it. I went back the next day, couldn't find it. So that's pretty that's pretty special it's nice that you can have the ability to alert people to it but sometimes there's something special about being the only one that saw it and how did your family feel about you doing this they they were always very supportive yeah i think a little bit a little bit shocked i guess how how all out i went but they were always always very supportive and always very interested so i'm glad i were there any family events or like whether it was Christmas or Easter or anything, a birthday where you got an alert and you just got to go? Did that happen at all? Yeah, I guess it happened once um, over Thanksgiving. The uh, the tropical kingbird was found in, in Windsor. I think it was Thanksgiving Monday maybe that it was found. And I was just about to go up to, uh, to have Thanksgiving dinner with family in Kitchener. And I said, nope, can't do that. And uh, so, yeah, I did. I missed that. That was a bit important bird. Uh, and I assume uh, the uh, magnificent, magnificent frigate bird uh, was still alive when you got there? Yeah. yeah. I got there er, early enough to see it moving around and move its wings and move its head. 
But then I also stuck around to watch it get euthanized, which was a little bit tougher than uh, I expected it to be. And yeah. uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking to all the uh, big ear birders. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I very much appreciate this call. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. And there you have it. Another episode of the Binger Podcast in the box. Well, thank you, Walter. And thank you for joining me on another episode of the Big Year Podcast. And a special thanks to William Conzi for joining me for this episode. Upcoming, we have two more episodes of the Ontario Big Year series, including our next guest, Ezra Campanelli. And we will finish off with the absolute winner of the Ontario Big Year in 2022, all-time record holder, Kaya Jasper. As I am recording this, it is the dog days of August. Some of the... eh, eh, eh. By the way, folks, this is the 10th attempt at recording the extra of this podcast. So bear with me. Wouldn't you love to hear the outtakes? So if you're listening to this in August of 2023, it is the dog days of birding as usual. Hot and tough to find birds. Either we've seen them all or we're just waiting for rarities and fall migration. Egad's fall migration is just around the corner. The end of summer, the end of the dream. So thank you for joining me and as always, may the birds be with you.